0: all right what is going on everybody welcome back to another week of saber sims dfs office hours it is monday may 1st of 2023 already may here so uh the year year is moving year is flying by almost halfway through 2023 here uh but uh looking ahead to a, another good week of dfs we had nascar on a monday morning due to the rain Over the weekend, so hope you guys are enjoying the NASCAR sweat today. Looks like we have a two-game NBA slate, we have a six-game MLB main slate, and then we also have a single NHL uh playoff showdown for tonight. So it should be a fun day of DFS. Uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. One of the coaches over here at Saber Sims to show where we go over how to use the Saber Sim app, answer any and all DFS related questions. You can post questions live in the YouTube chat or in the office hours channel in our discord. There's a link in the description below to join the discord. If, if you are not already a member, highly recommend it. A lot of good DFS conversation in happening over there each and every day. We have similar that show you, uh, When we run sims for different sports, for different games, we pull in underdog tweets so you can see when the lineup comes in and then uh, conversely also see when the sim gets kicked off there. So all of that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Just going to get the app pulled up here. Looks like we have two questions to get us going today. Uh, One in the YouTube chat, one in the Discord. If anybody has any additional questions, now is always a great time to get those in uh, so i'm gonna start with this one from vegas golf fanatic here in the discord first and let me get this one in the chat question says uh if i log in 30 minutes before lock and haven't adjusted any settings and five other people do the same at basically the same time assuming no stat updates in the few minutes between occurrences will We get identical top results for exactly the same contest size and type. If not, how does SaberSim make that magic happen? Okay, so it's a great question to get us started on a Monday morning here. Uh, So so basically what this comes down to is that SaberSim is not a traditional optimizer. We are not optimizing based on projected points and trying to uh, get you the top projected lineup every single time if you were to use a different uh lineup optimizer like lineup hq or like fantasy cruncher or something like that uh what those optimizers are doing is basically they are looking at the mean projection for every player and then when you build your lineups uh they're optimizing based on projected scores so if you were to use a uh, if you were to take this scenario and use it on one of those optimizers uh, with no rules with with nothing uh to to alter the lineups that you're getting uh the answer would be yes to your question and uh technically the answer would be yes if you use the cash settings here so For cash games, what you're trying to do is optimize for projected points. So in that scenario, we would use uh, the average projections and then just pack in as many points as possible. But for your GPPs, right, for the contest that you're playing, your 20 maxes, your 150 maxes, uh, where the sim diversity setting is on. This is ultimately uh, where the magic happens. So what sim diversity does is we have thousands and thousands of sims per game. for every game on the slate here. And what Sim Diversity does is, depending on where this is set, it determines how many of those thousand Sims we use to build an individual lineup. So, for instance, at Sim Diversity nine, uh, you can think of this as like a range. So, the higher Sim Diversity is, the less Sims you are using per lineup, where at 10, you are using one Sim of a game uh, per slate per lineup and i'll I'll get into this a little bit but basically what is happening so so i think sim diversity 10 is probably the easiest example here at sim diversity 10 what we are doing is we are going and pulling a single game sim from each game here so we pull six sims total for the six game main slate and to create one slate simulation and then based on how the players do in that one game sim those are the project those are the fantasy points that we use when we go to build the lineup. So we'll see how everybody did in this Cleveland New York game, how everybody did in this Chicago Washington game, and what the the fantasy points that you see in the app are not going to be what they scored in that game sim. What you see in the app is the average across all you know five thousand game sims. Uh, but in, in any one individual game sim, we look at Mackenzie Gore here. His average might be sixteen point one eight but we have Sims where he scores negative points where he gets lit up and, and does really bad. And then we have Sims where he scores 40 points and probably throws like a complete game shutout. Right? So any one of those Sims can be pulled. And then that will be uh, his fantasy points when we analyze the lineups. And then based on how all the players did, we build you the best lineup that balances upside and, Correlation and then that lineup gets put into your pool, and then we go and do the same exact process again. So, basically, by randomly sampling the sims here, by pulling uh, it when when let's say we're looking at like a 20 max here, so we're going to use an actual like slider example where your sim diversity is at eight, we are taking smaller buckets of sims, so you have 5,000 sims, uh, those can be combined. It, like like exponentially high uh, combinations there right if you did like a, uh, a like com- uh, it's a it's a combination uh calculator equation where it's like uh how many ways can you take five uh, combinations of like 5,000 sims right so it's like an NCR equation where it's like a it's like an n and then a C which is your combinations and then the n is your total number of object objects. And then R is like the sample that you want. So then what you would do is you do like 5,000 as your N, and then you do C, and then you do R, and then you say uh, five. So that would basically say like how many combinations of five can you get out of 5,000? And then that number is like exponentially high, right? So what I'm trying to say is like there are, millions of combinations of all of these sims uh, together for the slate simulation, which makes it incredibly, incredibly low chance that you are going to dupe with another Saber sim member. So when, when I think about duplication, I don't think of it as like, Hey, you know, I'm using Saber sim. All these other people are using Saber sim. How can I get different? That's not exactly the case because of the way that we are randomly sampling uh, all of our game sims and creating these slate simulations, I'm really looking at core, I'm really looking at duplication uh on a contest level. I, I I just care about duplication across a contest uh for the most part, whenever I do care about it. So because we are randomly sampling the sims here and we are not just optimizing based on projected score, uh it is, it is very, very incredibly low chance for you to like dupe other Sabersim users in you know a large classic slate as we have for this example. But really good question to get us going. If I lost anybody there with like the NCR talk and and the combination calculator, I, I apologize. Uh happy to uh retouch on anything if 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 anybody has any additional questions. All right. Uh question in the YouTube chat from Mike. Seems like a lot of people are uh rolling in here. Welcome to the show everybody. Uh happy Monday. Uh, this is our last question right here coming up from Mike. So if anybody has any additional questions, uh, just let me know. All right. Mike said profit plan on FanDuel $100 budget diversifiers. How would you prioritize between wiffle ball, pinch hit, and bean ball uh, would you play all three? Okay, so uh, what we're talking about here is the DFS Profit Plan. It is our contest selection framework that we created uh, based on a lot of backtesting that we did. So if you're looking for like the too long, didn't read video, uh, it's right here on the YouTube channel. Uh, start winning more with our DFS Profit Plan. If you go to the homepage, scroll down a little bit to this new here, start here first. You will see that 17-minute video that kind of wraps up uh, a, a long uh behind the sim series where we did a lot of contest simulations and determined uh what the best approach is for smoothing out your variance while allowing you to still continue to grow your bankroll while weathering the swings along the way so that was this first behind the sim series five episodes if you're looking for a deep dive i would highly recommend checking that out uh was a very good series in my opinion all right gonna get saberson pulled back up here and then uh, talk about this a little bit. So so you say $100 budget. I'm going to assume you're saying like $100 nightly allowance. Like you're not saying that the $100 is your bankroll. Because if that were, then you would only have like $5 to play. So I'm going to assume that, you know, how, we're, we're talking about how to allocate $100 on a nightly basis on FanDuel. So I think that uh, the three contests you listed, the $0.05, cent, uh, 150 max. I would play that. That's about seven and a half dollars. The pinch hit is a 25 cent, 20 max. I would also play that. That gets us to about 1250 here. And then the bean ball is a 222, either a 20 max or a 25 max, depending on the day. Uh, best of my understanding. It looks like today it's a 25 max. So this contest is going to cost you about 55 dollars. So 55 plus 12 that puts us in like the 60. $768 range. I think it's fine to play all three of those contests. That um what what we suggest in our DFS profit plan is your 20 maxes and 150 maxes take up about 50 to 75 percent of your nightly uh allocation for your entry fees. So with the total there being just about Ah uh, sixty eight dollars. I think that's perfect. That falls right in the range that you're looking for. All of these contests are under three dollars, so the sharks do not have access to these contests. I would then go and fill up some of the single entries. Uh, they have you know, a one dollar single entry. They have a one dollar three max. I think they have a uh what a two dollars single entry. They have um th- those are all like the single entries that are under three dollars, but I think it's okay to play some of the, um, other single entries. I think they have like a $5. They have a uh, $10. I think that, you know, you could mix in some of those. And then if you mix in that, that's about like 20 something dollars. And then you're right around where you want to be. If you want to mix in some low dollar satellites, uh, their satellite contests tend to overlay pretty often, especially cross sport satellites. So I would look at, you know, Maybe some of the PGA satellites, um, maybe some of the NHL satellites. If like you're familiar with those sports or uh, if you're playing MLB, you know, maybe they have some NBA uh, playoff satellites, right? So take take a peek at those satellites under $3 as well and see if you can just kind of fill up that nightly allocation. Uh, I I, I like the satellites under $3. Um, One, the best players will not see them. And then two, uh, if the contest overlays, you know, you might get a shot at a higher dollar contest at a decreased entry fee, right? So we we all want to win the big prize. We all want to take some shots on some of these more flagship type contests. Uh, these the satellites give you an opportunity to get into those contests at a reduced entry fee in a softer field in a contest that might overlay to begin with. So the bad thing about it is like, if these contests are filling, you're playing these satellites, you have to pay the rake twice. You have to pay the rake for the satellite and then you have to pay the rake for, uh as part of your entry fee to the actual contest that you're going to be playing for prizes so like that's one of the knocks on satellites but if you can find satellites that are not feeling consistently uh you could miss the miss the rake there uh capture some overlay and then just pay the rake um with the tickets that you got at a discounted price right so some some of my uh thoughts there i think that you know satellites can be a good way to fill up some of that allocation and get you close if if uh you're kind of out of some of the best gpps to play it looks like mike is here so mike uh hope you are satisfied with that answer if you have any follow-up on that just let me know happy to talk about it further uh but we are all caught up on questions in both the discord um and the youtube chat let me see if there are any questions this weekend okay so actually there was one question that came in via support. Uh, glad I was able to catch this one. So this is our last question at the moment. If anybody has any questions, now it's a great time to get them in. This question from support says, I'm struggling with choosing between making stands and distribution of lineups in NBA, for example. Should I use both post build min uniques and GL mean filter? Okay, good question here. So let's go over to NBA. Uh, we have a two game slate tonight. I think this is like perfect to talk about this. So uh first thing that I want to know is what are the slider settings that we are recommending for this type of contest. So if I were to play a, a 20 max tonight, say even say like um even say like a bigger one, like 10 to 50k entrance, sliders are zero nine, right? So at nine sim diversity, what we are doing is we are taking small buckets of sims to build your lineup. Uh, what this tells me is that we are not taking single slate. Optimals. So we are assuming that you probably do not need a 100% optimal lineup to win this contest, right? So what what that tells me there is that I probably do not need to use a geo mean filter here. Uh, I'm only using a geo mean filter via you know via via aggregate rules or via um, post build filtering when sim diversity is at 10. And the reasoning for that is I'm specifically using a geometric mean filter to manage the number of duplicates that I am expecting to have across my lineup portfolio. Uh, by having some diversity at nine here, the builder is saying like, hey, you know, we need to build for really high upside, but we probably don't need the top optimal lineup. And then even if you do get it, uh, that lineup is probably not going to be duped or, or not heavily duped at all, right? So but I'm doing using a GeoMean filter, I'm trying to protect against the a lineup that is highly duplicated where the EV that I get from winning the contest with that lineup actually ends up being very low because so many people have that lineup, right? I think it's fairly comfortable to say that you could build with no GeoMean filter for tonight's slate and probably not have probably win a contest and that lineup not be duped more than like Two or three times, maybe like five at most, uh, in in all your contests, right? And that's kind of what you're optimizing for, anyways. With geo mean, like you're you're not trying to find just uniques. You're trying to find lineups with high win upside that are lower duped, like in the five to ten range. Uh, so geo mean filter for me on tonight's two game NBA slate probably not a factor here. But I think mini uniques can are still a factor for me here, right? So to just going with the example here, I'm gonna build uh, 500 lineups. For this slate, and then I'm gonna figure out, you know, how different I can get on this two-game slate, and I'll kind of show you guys my thought process for thinking through that. So I have these 20 lineups. I'm just gonna say I'm playing a 20 max tonight. Uh, how do I wanna do this? Right. So I think mini uniques are great. I think that you're gonna be able to get to less mini uniques on this two-game slate. There's just less players in the player pool. Uh, you know, you're gonna be a little tighter here. So probably where I would start on a two-game NBA slate is looking at some of the projections in the home screen, uh, making sure that I'm okay with all of the players that are in my player pool. Uh, If I were playing tonight, I would probably be setting some type of min projection filter here, or even maybe like a minutes filter to be like, hey, you know, I want to play guys that are going to be in the game, are going to be in the rotation. And so I might set this filter to cut off uh, players who are like less than 10 minutes but but just that's just kind of a side note um let's say that i'm okay with all the players in my player pool at the moment uh when i get to this post build what what i like to do is i like to scroll down to the to my last lineup in my set of 20 and then i like to start increasing this mini uniques players and then see how far down in my pool i am going with my last lineup right so at Minionics of three, what this is saying is that I have eight players in this lineup. This is guaranteeing that three players are different in all 20 lineups that I am going to be playing than every other lineup. Uh, it's comparing it to all lineups within that set of 20. So mini Minionics of three, I'm only at li- lineup 94 out of 563 here. I think that's great. I'm still in the top 20% on my pool here. Um, I'm, I'm getting more and more diverse. The great thing about using the in Uniques is that this allows the builder to kind of organically uh, adjust your exposures here, right? So if I go back to one, I'm going to see that I have Aaron Gordon at 90% and then Al Horford and James Harden at 75%. And then with a, with a, a bunch of extra players here, we're, we're using 18 players total in our player pool here. When I go to three, uh, I add one player to this player pool Aaron Gordon goes down five percent, but Horford dropped uh, from seventy-five to sixty-five. Harden dropped from seventy-five to fifty-five. So by doing this, what you're telling the builders, you're making the builder kind of uh, kind of show you who the best plays are on a slate, in my opinion. Because what it's going to do is like, okay, you know, I can only have five players the same in every lineup. Who do I have to sacrifice to keep this? you know, keep these main players and then who is worth uh, shifting around. So you kind of get this organic exposure adjustments uh, rather than just doing it yourself, right? The bill is able to mix and match and kind of move guys down. So, so to me, what I got out of this adjustment is that, James Harden, you know, is 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 a good play, but he might not be uh, the best play because he moved down 20% with this mini unique player. But Aaron Gordon only moved 5%, right? So, so Aaron Gordon really seems like a great play. And then the other thing is that DeAndre Ayton actually moved up in exposure here uh, from where he was previously. So, so he might be uh, a play that might not have jumped out to us right away kind of at like fourth best here but with this mini unique exposure increase he actually went from 65 to 70 and and nobody else moved up in exposure from that top four group there so these are kind of the things that i am watching and looking for as i make these adjustments to kind of figure out who i think are the best plays here uh, but I, I I do think that even on this two-game slate, some diversity is important. I don't love having one-for-one one swaps in lineups uh, where an optimal is not needed. So I think that using at least two mini-uniques uh, more, if you can get to more, is is a fine strategy here. Uh, so once we get to like four mini-uniques here, uh, we jump almost to lineup 400 here using a lot of lineups in the 300 range. I would be much more comfortable staying at three here and staying in the top 20% of my lineup pool. Uh, also depends, you know, are you comfortable with the exposures that you're getting? Uh, take a peek at your stack types. you know, are you okay having a five stack here? Um, are you okay with some of these uh, you know, over 70% exposures that you're getting? And, and uh, to me,'m I'm, I'm fine with all of these things. I might get rid of this one five stack here. Um, and and not play that one and then just keep my stacks down and then uh, we, we get to line up 106, which is totally fine with me. But uh, but yeah, so so that's kind of the way I'm thinking about diversification, uh, whether or not I need to do anything for duplication and uh, I would be comfortable with, with these exposure settings going to this two-game NBA slate. All right, Shane Atkinson said, per ownership in the contest, when is it best to consider fading the chalk? Is there a point where you think, okay, field has sixty percent exposure of this guy fade? Uh, so good question here. I think it's different by sport. So I, I don't want to give like a blanket answer here. Uh, I, I think that way, much less in NBA, like this NBA example that we are talking about here. I think that way, much more in MLB. I, I, I'll i say, you know, this is like my opinion uh, if you ever see a hitter over like fifty percent owned, I I love being under the field on that hitter. Uh, hitters are just super variant. I've seen this a lot on Owners Box specifically here. I've seen Mike Trout get to like sixty percent owned. Uh, we don't have ownership projections for Owners Box, but I but just like when the Angels are a high team total. And their ownership is pretty high on other sites like DraftKings. Uh, you can see some of these ownerships get like really out of hand on owner's box where players aren't playing particularly optimal. So just like an owner's box uh, note for you guys, what I like to do when I'm playing over on owner's box is I will try and find a matching slate. So like we have this six game owner's box slate. I will go and look at DraftKings and Yahoo specifically uh, because their formats are most similar to owner's box so owner's box has one pitcher spot but then it has a super flex spot you should basically always be playing a pitcher in the super flex spot uh just because pitchers grayed out so much better on a variance a level and a projection level so like when you build lineups with saberSim, you'll basically always get two pitchers one in the pitcher spot one in the super flex spot so that that um roster construction lends itself really closely to Yahoo and DraftKings where you have two pitchers naturally here Uh, you have two pitcher spots so I think that if you could find a slate that has the same number of games on DraftKings or Yahoo you can kind of trust some of the ownership that you see here I think that you could trust like the pitcher ownership and I think that I wouldn't trust individual batter ownership, but I think that you could look at teams and get a rough estimation of stack ownership and be like fairly comfortable with having a general sense of ownership going into a slate. So like what I like to do is I'll come over to uh DraftKings, I'll look at uh the ownership of like the top uh players in the lineup, usually like the top five or six, because I think that a lot of people do not like playing these seven, eight, nine hitters. So I think batters one through six kind of estimate stack ownership a little bit better here. And then I'll just look at like the top projected teams. So usually teams like over uh, implied run total of five here. So I'm going to start with San Diego. Uh, I'm comfortable saying that San Diego is going to be stacked somewhere in like the 10 to 15% ish range here. Just kind of eyeballing it, kind of taking an estimate and um just just making some mental notes to help me make decisions about where my exposures lie. Am I over or under the field in my you know um estimation here? Uh but but getting back to the question, I think that you know, if you see individual batters really, really high owned, uh batters are just super variant. Let's look at Whit Merrifield, for example, here his highest outcome 23% of the time, he gets zero fantasy points. Um, this will be displayed better in this adjusted ownership column so what what we do at SaberSim is we have projected ownership in your contest and then we have this adjusted ownership column which is new here uh what this is doing is that it is basically looking at the player's range of outcomes and determining how high variance this player is and if we determine that this player is very high variance what we will do is we will use this um altered ownership projection here where we are basically inflating the ownership projection to make this player look higher owned because we are negatively weighting ownership in the post build process and i'll just uh display this for you guys here so when when you run your lineups right uh we used to have an ownership fade slider we don't anymore we only account for ownership in the lineup grading process as part of saber score now to get rid of some double counting features uh that we previously had we think it's a lot better this way our back testing has shown that it's a lot better this way uh so ownership not taken into account as a slider anymore but it is a big part of this saber score metric and then also a saber score you know you can now see uh the actual formula and the variables being uh, weighed here and what the factors are. So you can see here that we are negatively weighting adjusted ownership here. Uh, what that is basically saying is like, hey, we, we understand that Whit Merrifield, you know, grades out really well on a point per dollar basis. You know, his, his fantasy points per dollar it, uh, might be really high here. But but this player is still, you know, has a wide range of outcomes and by inflating his ownership here, this is going to stop the builder from just jamming him into all the lineups. And this will basically say, hey, you know, uh, this guy's ownership is really high. Let's let's be careful with how many lineups we put him in. And that is our way of telling the builder, hey, this player is really high variance. Uh, let's not just jam him in like he is just a, a smash play to reach this projection because there are all these instances where he does not. So So be really careful with this player so that's what we're doing with adjusted ownership um i think that you know this this column and this variable weighting in saber score does a really good job of you know managing the amount of exposure you get to some of these guys and i i'm pretty interested in where we fall with him so we have him about 10 percent of lineups right so we're saying hey you know uh, he's, he's a fine play. Let's have a little bit of him, but let's not have too much of him. Right. And I think that's exactly what we want to see, especially with, without any other adjustments in the post build. I just ran this and, you know, this is what we're kind of getting right out of the gate here. Uh, so, so I'm really happy with this, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't feel the same way about other positions. You know, I think that, uh, batters and baseball are, are, are a different breed kind of, probably closest to like hockey players i think that you can make probably the exact opposite assumption i think for like a lot of uh pitchers here because their range of outcomes is a lot more normally distributed looks nothing like what we saw for the whit merrifield uh, range of outcomes here uh this is a nice you know bell-shaped curve for blake Snell, where merrifield was like this big with this you know very right skewed uh data set here so all these players are different Really hard to make like a blanket rule, but I think that uh, looking at different types of players categorically here uh, can give you a little bit of insight as to um, which players are probably uh, going to reach a projection when they're higher owned versus players that might be higher variance uh, when they're higher owned. And I think you could also look at adjusted ownership comparatively here and draw some of the same conclusions. All right, Ryan Nelson said, I have now had like six or eight top tens on Yahoo for MLB, but they have all finished like fifth or sixth place. Yeah, this is like really hard and, and, and you know, DFS is so variant kind of for this reason, right? Uh, if you listen to Lulz, Lulz is a uh, DFS podcast with, with Brian Hooper and Peter Overzet. Uh, they talk about this uh, from time to time here. It's like once you get in the... So, so, so to get in the top, you know, 10, uh, places of a contest, right. You're already in the top 1%, the top 0.1%, depending on the contest, you know, the top 0.01%, uh, it, it, gets really random as to whether or not you can go wher- whether you get, you know, uh, sixth or whether you get, you know, second or whether you get first, right. So just the fact that you're consistently in the top 10, I think that's great. Uh, variance probably just isn't falling your way. I would I would continue to stick with your process. It sounds like, you know, if you can consistently show up in the top 10, I think you're doing something right. And um, just just let the variance uh, eventually fall your way there. I, I, I've had like kind of uh, similar kind of feelings or or uh, results over on Owner's Box. I play like the Owner's Box flagship almost every day. And I, I come in the top 10 a lot, but I've only had uh, one takedown Uh, to this point in the season about a month but uh, just consistently you know uh, kind of flirting with it kind of around there so those will fall your way eventually just hang in there keep keep up the strong process Shane said uh, makes perfect sense thanks yeah man happy to uh, shed some light on that and, and give you some useful insight there But all right, everybody, Uh, we are all cut up on questions. I think we're all set now uh, to get out of here. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Owner's Box really quickly in case any last questions come in. But if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, I would highly recommend it. The contests continue to overlay. The contests are generally softer over there. And then also, if you use promo code SABER or SABERSIM, you can earn free SABERSIM credit by playing over there. Uh, If you play... Uh, if you sign up with SaberSim, you can also get a $500 deposit bonus, but basically we track your entry fees and then we will reach out to you when you reach different thresholds here. So if you get up to $3,500 in entry fees, we'll reach out to you, say, Hey, you know, do you, you qualify for one free month of the standard. Do you want to add that to your account? Or do you want to wait until you reach one of these pro or prop plan levels? Uh, once you cash in on that prize, we will reset your, um, entry fee tracking and then reach out to you again when you uh achieve that goal once again here so i know users are already cashing in on this and earning free saberson credit do it yourself take advantage of it uh you know uh, of, of these contests early in the mlb season here all right one more question for frank Can to get saberson pulled back up frank said when you up the projections for a few players on one team uh, do the sims automatically bump up their stack percentage? Uh, so good question here. So the answer is, well, let me say this. Adjusting a team total is much different from adjusting an individual batter projection here. So what I would say is that th- the best way to understand this is like, let's say that I come to the Yankees here and I adjust the projections for Anthony Volpe or Volpe. I'm, I'm going to go with Volpe. Uh, from 7.9 to 8.5 let's say i increase anthony rizzo from 9.19 to 10 and we'll just use these two guys for example this individual projection adjustment is only going to affect this player and what we are going to do is for anthony rizzo we went from 9.2 to 10 here so a 0.8 uh projection adjustment we are going to take his entire distribution and shift it 0.8 points so every time that he got zero points, he's not going to get zero point eight. Every time he gets ten points, now he's going to get ten point eight, etc., etc. Here, right? This is going to have no effect on the other players in the lineup. We can see that he is correlated to Anthony Volpe and Isaiah Isaiah Falefa and Glaber Torres. This is going to have no effect on these other players. It is only going to affect his individual projection and his individual range of outcomes. If we want to have an effect on the team as a whole, it is better to adjust the team total here. So if we want to say we want to get to more Yankees, we think Yankees are going to do a little better than their implied run total here. So we're going to increase them a half run here. As an example, I'm going to hit this apply changes to Game button. And then now when I go to the Yankees here, uh, their entire team's projections are going to be adjusted here. So what is happening in this example is that we are going to start filtering out game Sims where the Yankees score uh, minimal runs here. So probably uh, games where they score no runs, they get shut out. And then we're going to continue to discount those Sims until the new Yankees team total matches what we put in the team total field. So we will discount Sims until we can get the Yankees team total On average, uh, average run total of 4.8. So maybe we had 5,000 Sims. Now we have, you know, 4,500 effective Sims that we can pull from when we go to build your lineups. And then those 500 Sims that we are now discounting are probably all Sims where the Yankees did bad. So um, it's much more likely the Yankees to get put into your lineup with discounting those Sims and then just filtering the available Sims for the builder to use when we build your lineups. And then just on another side note that um, by discounting game sims here, this will also have an effect on Cleveland as well here. So if you pull up Cleveland, you might see um, some updated projections for them as well that's because we are they are part of those games that we are discounting so uh it's a little more random but you might see guys you know move up or down depending on you know what ultimately uh happened in those sims that we got rid of to move the yankees team total here so a little bit more random but you could see the effect on the game level by also looking at the opponent in this example frank said thanks yep man happy to help out uh one question here from Chuck pure Chuck said, is it a good idea to I think this is a good question. Is it a good idea to copy the adjusted ownership values from DK into owner's box? Uh so I I will tell you guys what I do here. Uh I copy it for pitchers only. Uh I think that from from some of the spot checking that I've done, the pitcher ownership projections on draftkings compared to owner's box, when the game, uh, when the game, when the same games are on the slate. So we have a six game uh, slate on DraftKings. We have a six game slate on owner's box, all the same games. I think it's okay to copy ownership for pitchers. I do not like copying ownership for batters. Uh, Batter ownership can just get like really, really weird on owner's box. From what I've seen, you might have like uh, on average, like 5% ownership, for the Braves, and then you'll see Matt Olson at like forty percent owned, like way off base for the entire team. Uh, so I think batter projections are like really, really strange on Orange Box, but I think pitchers uh, kind of fall in line here. So that's something I've been doing. So like, I'll show you guys what I do here. Uh, I'm gonna pull up my screen. So what I do is I'll come on DraftKings, I'll download this table. And then this is the CSV that we get uh, from the table. I'll just filter for pictures only here. And then now um, I have my pictures here. So then what I'll do is I'll just take uh, all the starters basically. And then I like to to upload the adjusted ownership values here uh, because this is basically uh, what we're using for Saber Score generally here. So I'd rather have the adjusted ownership than the my ownership because this is taking into account the player's variance here. So then I'll just uh, copy and paste these fields since I have them right here. And then I'll go to owner's box. Just waiting for it to load. And then I'll go to upload, paste this in. You just need names and ownership here. And then now I have pitcher ownership here. Uh, haven't really run this by anyone on the team, but my my thinking here is that you know some uh, pr- some ownership projections are, are better than none, right? It's it, I feel like ownership is this puzzle, and um, what we are doing is we are putting you know some of the puzzle pieces together. So I like to imagine you know putting the outside uh, pieces of the puzzle together, and then uh, eventually um, you know when when we start to do ownership for owners box that will just put the entire puzzle together. But I think it's better to have some puzzle pieces together rather than none here. Uh, so this gives the builder some idea of, of some of these ownerships and it can, um, figure out, you know, what it wants to do from there. But, uh, if anybody on the Saberson team is, is listening to this, and has a different opinion, uh, happy to, uh, revise my answer with, with a little discussion there. So, uh, this is something I do, something I've, I've been doing. I, I think it's good. I think that it helps ultimately here Uh, also gives me like a visual for, for building my lineups, getting to the post build, you know, get, get some idea of what some of these players are. I will say that I've seen this across all sites actually is that the, the consensus best pitching play of the day is usually much higher owned on owner spots, on DraftKings on FanDuel, on all sites. So it looks like Blake Snell is like far and away the best pitcher today. Uh, Salary's low projection is high and ownership is high. You know, we haven't projected like 53%. I would say you could probably, you're probably going to see like 65 to 70% ownership for Blake Snell. This is like a trend I've seen all baseball season. Uh, so, you know, check it out tonight, uh, look at it yourselves, but I would probably just come in here and, and, and boost him a little bit, right? Uh, might not be perfect, but I'm just looking for like a directionally accurate adjustment here Uh, to get him closer to what I think he's actually going to come in at, which I think he probably comes in closer to 65 than 53, but uh, TBD there. All right. Uh, Last question from Danny. Danny said, does Saber Sim have the capability to learn how other DFS players play to make unique lineups? Uh, So I think that, you know, we do contest Sims uh, internally here to help us, figure out what the best actual scores are to uh, adjust slider settings, to adjust saber scores. Uh, But we are not using actual lineups that other players are playing to figure out um, how, how can I say this? We are not tracking individual users and using their data individually to build your lineups we are we are looking at you know contests and running contest sims where we're analyzing all users and all lineups uh mostly lineups like we were we don't really care uh who exactly uh you know ocdo bv and and shady advice uh what what their individual exposures are per se here but we're looking at all the lineups across the contest and then using that data to help make our uh assumptions about a contest type or a slate size uh better but we're not we're not tracking individual players in the in the way that you're exactly describing here if my understanding is correct all right everybody uh great show today i uh, always love monday shows seems like we get a lot of engagement we got a lot of questions from over the weekend uh we'll be right back here tomorrow for our tuesday show if anybody has Any questions, building lineups throughout the day, drop them in the Office Hours channel in the Discord. Let them sit there. And then that gives us a steady queue of questions to get started with. Um, Let me get back here tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. So until then, take care. Good luck in your contests. I will see you. Bye.